the king Dog, you ain't a hundred, this a hundred, let me demonstrate If she ain't got brains, then I ain't tryna penetrate And if you ain't a stand-up needy, you could get your dinner ate I ain't buying all that real shit, dog, you benefit To go on a dinner date, now we on the interstate Might be a rookie in the game, but I been a great And we about autonomy, dog, we ain't tryna integrate Trying to integrate was broke back then. Now the youngest seeing different kick. We don't go all feelings, we just make sure that the business straight. And if you ain't an intellect, then you can't get a penetrate. Local Niji, now I'm getting love all in different states. Gotta Niji, if you ain't got scars, then you can't relate. Forward to this. All right, let's go. Let's go. That was Integrate by Job Bricks, available on iTunes. Also, make sure you go to his website, www.jobbricks.store, so you can download his brand new album straight from the Bricks. Happy to support my talented brother. Welcome to On the Wake Up Radio. You are now tuned into the Sovereign Creed Show. We don't just discuss the problems. We offer the solutions. I'm your host, J. Ali Shiomaru, and shout out to our producer, Cindy Ashby, for making this episode possible. If you haven't done so already, make sure you go sign up for www.otwtube.com so you can join our community of melanated Aboriginal content creators where your voice can be heard and you never have to worry about censorship. For today's episode of the Sovereign Cree Show, we bring you straight out of Turtle Island. Through the utilization of religious dogma and Darwinistic ideologies, the true history of ancient America as the true old world has been hidden by archaeologists for centuries. From mounds and ancient tombs comparable to those of KMT being placed under private ownership and government supervision, to the Smithsonian Institute's conspiracy to hide the bones of the aboriginal giants who ruled America in their basement. And of course, the development of cities, towns, and suburbs across the U.S. directly on top of indigenous burial grounds. The colonization of the Americas has been a collective effort. It's gone through several different phases. There have been an infinite number of culprits and accomplices to successfully complete this ultimate form of hostile takeover, from religious doctrines to philosophical conquest. The European, with the help of the Mongoloid, has strategically and systematically raped and pillage the indigenous American Aborigines by deploying weapons of war such as religion, guns, dogs, poison, amalgamation, Lewis and Clark, the Trail of Tears, Willie Lynch, the 14th Amendment, the Homestead Act, paper genocide, Jim Crow, the Boule, modern medicine, the miseducation industrial complex, the New Deal, eugenics, social engineering, the color TV, Popular culture, integration, redlining, fast food, COINTELPRO, the draft, feminism, welfare, AIDS, the MMR vaccine, the crack epidemic, the 94 crime bill, gangster rap, gentrification, NAFTA, Viacom, GMOs, DNA testing, social media, Obama, DACA, COVID, vaccine mandates, and Jim Crow Joe. So far, they've been effective in their quest for Aboriginal genocide under the guise of manifest destiny. So while the global elite attempts to perform the ultimate hat trick with their 2030 agenda fully underway, the reawakening of the Nijis from Turtle Island is imperative for the future of humanity here 
and abroad. The only way to escape the matrix is to first know that it exists. So you better take the red pill and remember who you are before it's too late. Call leaders, but we're going to find out that a lot of our leaders were given to us. A lot of our leaders were given to us, and we got to understand why. Um, this whole back to Africa shit to me is a ploy for us to abandon our own land. Okay? If we were to really go back to Africa, we'd be abandoning this land right here. Okay? The land that most of us come from. Right, think about it. What would be the smarter move to transport millions of people over here or just to subdue the ones that are already here? To trick the ones, the next generation, and make them think they were from somewhere else when really they're from right here. And now they've mentally and physically abandoned their own land. Come on. It was tough. You've been riding hard for Africa. You bought the Pakistani kente cloth from Joanne Fabrics. You bought the art from TJ Maxx. You bought the black silk from the dollar store. And it wouldn't matter if you had an authentic Mbutu chiseled relic from a mountaintop in the Congo. You're not African. Talking about you taking trips to the motherland. You take a trip to the other land talking about you feel at home. Nigga, they laughing at you, B. You're not African. FakeAncestry.com face ass nigga. West Africa, right? Right? West Africa, right? Right. Go ask your great, 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 your great granddaddy, your great granddaddy, your great, great granddaddy. Ask him who was here before a white man or Asian ever stepped foot on his land beneath your feet. Ask him about Africa and see if you don't slap your ass out the afterlife. So basically, what you're saying is all your family who was actually murdered and slaughtered here on your motherland, they died in the vanity of your perpetual ignorance. Sucks niggas, but... Please, go find your favorite Egyptologist, your favorite African scholar. Please, go find them and have them regurgitate more lies been told to you by the white man that you claim that you hate so much. But now, you scour his entire web of perverted information, all to try to lay claim to a land on the other side of the world that you don't have no part of, all while denying your ancestors and the spirit in your face. Listen, all of that beautiful... African history that you were taught doesn't cease to exist, but you ain't part of it. And if these words hurt your heart, good. Look, we having a back to Africa sound. You can take all that bullshit back to Africa, because that's not where we from. Man, what me do about what a white man says? You're African. Nah, you pseudo nigga. I'm African. I feel like. You remember like when you used to uh when you had the homeboy who was in the slow class that used to peek in the window and shit? Hey, what y'all doing in here? Eating glue? You my homeboy. Hey, y'all always playing games in the class. And I don't give a fuck that you be on the Africa shit. Cause one day you'll understand, even if you don't now, because deep down inside you're not a fucking asshole. Where you from, bro? Where you from? Where you from, nigga? The indigenous people of the Americas were and have always been black. The image that has been promoted is that of a Euro-Mongoloid hybrid and is in no way 
a factual representation of a true Aboriginal American. However, for centuries, both of these populations coexisted. But how did this come to be? Surely, if Native Americans were black, there would be some sort of evidence. And since most people have never seen a black Indian, they just assume they never existed. Let's dig through the pages of history to identify the deception of our past. Not the Kuta Kinte from the Pakistani. <laughs> that is my favorite part. Today's guest on the Cyber Creed Show is Aboriginal American historian and filmmaker Uriah Brandon, aka UB News. Hailing from Hickory, North Carolina, Uriah attended North Carolina A&T University where he majored in journalism with a concentration in electric media and minors in history. Now residing in Charlotte, he has dedicated his life to waking up the Nijis from Turtle Island while also effectively pulling the chairs from underneath the regurgitators of Darwinism and Pan-Africanism. Some of his groundbreaking films include Lost in Home, his America is Egypt series, the smartest beast in the field series, Idle Ignorance, Juho 1 and 2, and his current film series, Boulet. Ladies and gentlemen, gods and goddesses, without further ado, please welcome Juby News. Peace, my brother. Peace, peace. Shalom, shalom. What's good, bro? Oh, man. First, I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. I am a huge fan of your work, and I'm absolutely ecstatic to have you as a guest on the show. I know you're about to drop some dimes with our audience. Yeah, man, I'm excited to do it, man. I'm excited to be here. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, let's, if you don't mind, let's get to it. Growing up in uh, Hickory, North Carolina, uh, did you have knowledge about your Aboriginal American heritage? Um, nah, absolutely not. Um, I didn't. I was lucky in a sense that, uh, well, I was lucky in a sense that I got to meet a few generations of my great grandparents and great great grandparents on my mother's side so a lot of the aboriginal lifestyle was just part of their lifestyle you know uh, i'm from north carolina i'm from the country they were agricultural people uh on my mother's side my great grandmother they had chickens they had farms they grew their own food um so i was very used to the quote-unquote country lifestyle but in terms of like you know Having any of my grandmothers tell me that I had Indian in my family, um, not really. Um, I do now looking back, there are pictures of my great grandmother and a lot of my, um, I would, you know, a lot of my, I would call them great, great grandparents and great uncles and great aunts who definitely, you know, you can definitely see like the Indian qualities, so to speak, or what they call Indian qualities. Um, which is basically just darker skin, but like, you know, my great grandmother, she had like straighter hair. Um, and she was a bigger lady. And, you know, she it's interesting just phenotypically what, you know, what our people really do look like. And we've kind of been given a lie, even in terms of the characteristics. So I can remember, you know, uh just, you know, my grandfather was a 
you know, big time tobacco farmer on my father's side. He had a he had a huge farm. He tended to animals. Uh, he was very much so about the land. Uh, he actually died with a significant amount of land. Um, so these are things that, you know, no one ever said, hey, you got Indian in your family. But it's like looking back, you can definitely see how the lifestyle was uh, intertwined and in just the, you know, the day to day lives of my great grandparents. And, you know, some uh, genealogy research and ancestry, you know, you can definitely see the places that they come from. So directly, no. So I didn't know anything about that growing up. You know, I just thought we were country. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that answer. And so I got a question. So why has it taken so long for the truth to come out regarding our indigenous heritage with so many of our elders informing, or oh, maybe not you, but other people, you know, that we were here prior to colonization, but why is it not been uh, promoted on a mass scale. It's kind of guess a rhetorical question, but I love to hear your well, answer. Well, you know, that's uh, you. Know, I, I think that that requires a really, really philosophical answer. I think much of it comes from the institution of education in general, the indoctrination of the African. What would you call it? African motherland myth has been perpetuated throughout all levels of education at least going back a hundred and about 15 years um this was this was obviously nothing that was being taught um in my grandparents generation my great-grandparents generation so to speak but especially uh right in the early 1900s uh you know the Julius Rosenwald Foundation, along with the Rockefellers, um, along with, uh, you know, along with an institutionalized effort across the board to conceal the true history of the indigenous Americans who had been reclassified. That was, you know, on a on an elite level. So first and foremost, that. And so what education ultimately did was serve as a mechanism to divide us from our elders because now there was almost there was almost a way for the new educated negro to look down his nose at his great grandmother who he could use his education as a way to uh elevate himself to a position that he could no longer take what she's telling him um as history as truth to him so you know Honestly, that's uh, it, education sought to divide through the means of indoctrination in school. And education has been tied to pr prosperity here in America. So for the last hundred and so years, the idea that you could be successful and hit a certain level in society without an education is, was not really being considered you know your you know your parents were taught to go to school your parents taught you to go to school and how you went to school was how you elevated yourself and once you become this position in society you've already been indoctrinated out of much of the history that if your grandparents were even still telling you it's definitely hadn't stuck with you through those years of education and so i think you know, coming into the truth is so wide. Um, it, 
you really have to be ready for certain things. You know what I mean? Usually this isn't the first piece of truth or alternative information that people come to before they hit this spot. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, of course it's taking long because, you know, the, the quote-unquote... No, no, take, no, elite, no, no, take your time. The, take elite your time. Minds, the elite minds are at the top, and the elite minds are the people who are given credentials to perpetuate the lie. Agreed 1,000%. One, 1, um, you have a very extensive background with regards to your realm of filmmaking. How has your previous work influenced your current style of storytelling from both a visual and an audio perspective? Uh, you know, honestly, it, uh, my, my film background at this point is really what I've made of it because when I first got into film, I was trying to, um, like I, I wrote this movie called Bernie's MacGuffin. Um, and I used to do music videos back in the day and little skits, and I tried to write my own sitcom. Um, so I had tried so many things in the film game. And um, th- this sort of film stuff really came after, like, my whole transition into the truth. Um, so I can honestly say this. What, what I went through in the past prepared me for who I am and what I do today. Um, with that being said, it was what I do now is nothing like what I used to do. Um, so with that being said, over time, um, and especially social media, I wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to be able to use film to, uh, I, I would say create some sort of social commentary on certain things that maybe people didn't necessarily think of and i wasn't really coming from the perspective of white and black or race or anything like that um and ultimately what happened is when i had a i had a page back in the day called nigga news on on instagram and i would anytime i felt like uh i guess an undertold story in the media wasn't getting the attention it deserved i would say something about it Um, And ultimately, it came down to me trying to finalize my resources and me and me check my resources to the point where, hey, okay, well, I can't just give you this uh, superficial variation of the story. I can't just even give you my perspective. I really have to dig deep. Um, So a lot of stuff just really came really came back into you know, how deep I got into the story. So when I went into making film, I I used to think it was all about the pictures. I used to think it was all about the camera that I used and this and that. And I realized that really it's all about the story. It's all about creating the story, the narrative. So I really became a better writer then. So filmmaking is something that, you know, this is kind of like my new realm into the art because I'm doing everything myself where before I would be working with small teams. You know, when you get into filmmaking, you know, you, you, you're working with quite a few people. You might have a director and writers and gaffers and managers and location managers and, you know, PAs and you have a, you have an entire crew, but me, I'm working by myself and I had to maximize my limitations. So there's only certain things that I, that I can even 
feasibly do. So I know I knew that I ha- I had to be a good writer. I knew that my research had to be tight because I can't make, you know, I don't have the budget to make something that's going to be on uh, whatever on National Geographic. It's not going to be Sundance material. But within my within my box, I can create something just as good. So my transition into becoming a better filmmaker was just taking the work more seriously Um, because I realized that being able to activate people's imaginations and minds is very key in the type of work that I do. So I try to, you know, right now I'm still trying to innovate. I don't like, you know, there's this thing where I don't, I've never really liked my last video because I want my next video to be better. And there are things that I've done in my videos that I like and they work, but I don't want my stuff to become stale. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm constantly wanting to evolve and get better um, and take those limitations to the next level. Um, so it's really hard, honestly, uh, to be able to um, produce consistent content on a regular basis and also do the level of research needed so that's why it's so long between videos um and and honestly you know i work really fast and i work all the time but you know i can only put out a video once every couple of weeks you know i can only you know i'm only one person and i have to write a whole script and there's a ton of research that goes into anything before i write it um so you know in that respect, I have become a much better filmmaker because the things that I'm doing now, just in terms of being able to write an entire project, you know, I've probably written 2000 pages of uh, information and script this year. And to be able to turn that around into a, a project just like that, these are things that I couldn't do when I was younger. You know, it would take me two, three weeks to a month just to do somebody's music video. You know what I mean? Now, because I'm, I'm forced to produce at such a efficient level. I have to do it. So, you know, the same, the same music video that would have taken me a month to do, you know, 10 years ago takes me, you know, maybe 10 hours to do today. Um, And, you know, a lot of that might have to do with technology as well, but overall um, I'm leaps and bounds better, but it really comes down to I'm more efficient um in certain aspects and i'm able to maximize you know my limitations which you know i'm i'm always on a shoestring budget so i have to make my stuff look i want my stuff to visually be able to compete with people who have millions of dollars so i try my best to make my quality compete well i'm just going to go ahead and tell you that you've done an <laughs> excellent job in executing that um, you you kind of already answered that next question. So um, the next question I'm going to ask you is: I understand that your your brother does all of your scores for your films. What's it like producing films of this magnitude uh, with your brother? And how long have you guys been working together? Uh, well, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Me and my brother work together, but it's not like we work together. Um, my brother has been, you know, my brother has been making music longer than I've been making. Uh, film do you know making movies uh music videos anything before i before i was working with a camera my brother was in high school with you know with turntables making his own tracks writing his lyrics 
So um, my brother's, you know, he's been in the he's been in the music game for a while. Um, it just so happened that as I got into this stage of filmmaking, where I started making documentaries, um, where I was making longer videos, my brother's music just naturally fit a lot of my narratives. So in many ways, my my brother's music is already there. I just go through and cherry pick the stuff that I like <laughs> because honestly, my brother's catalog is so deep. You know, what you guys hear is just a very small fraction of his overall body of work because um, that, that's how deep his body of work is. So, you know, it's been only recently, like he's made me a few beats. Um, he's made a few beats specifically for me to use in certain projects, but naturally he, all these beats are just his. And after I write my story, I go through and I have, I have a memory of most of his beats in my head, or it takes me a really long time. I'll listen to a hundred beats before I lay it over a two, a two minute section of a video. So, you know, I'm very, you know, I'm kind of anal and tedious about choosing the music that I want to use. And my brother just provides a catalog. He has a, you know, I'm lucky in a sense that my brother's one of the dopest uh, beat makers out there, like straight up. Uh, make sure y'all follow Day Tripper because he's dope. He's one of the, you know, he's one of the dopest producers and MCs on this planet, hands down. So I'm lucky that I have him as a resource. So I kind of have a built-in advantage because I have my brother on my side. But honestly, we don't really work together like that. You know, my brother, he's, my brother's in two music groups, plus he makes his own music. Um, and he does it for the love. And, he, and so he's got, he's kind of stretched thin. Um, I can't wait to honestly go in and actually make a score with my brother, which I haven't done yet. That would be dope. But normally he just gives me a batch of beats and I listen to them, and I'm like, I like that one, I like that one, I like that one, but I can't use it. And so, you know, he gives me a batch of beats, and I might pick out two or three out of ten that I know I can use in my upcoming video and do it like that. Awesome, that's awesome. Um, as a graduate of North Carolina A&T University, do you see an opportunity for a mass awakening of indigenous heritage amongst college students? on HBCU campuses across the year? Um, yes, I do. Um, it, it's going to be interesting how it happens. I think it'll happen. The awakening, when you say it'll be on college campuses, it'll probably have to happen like in on social media, on YouTube or Instagram or something like that. Um, for one, the way that they've kind of divided us into our herds via technology they kind of shelter the average college kid away from the critical thinking social media community um with that being said it doesn't mean that it's the critical thinking community is penetrating everywhere right now so it's not just you know it's not just in certain areas where you're starting to you're starting to see like a lot of doubt of people a lot of doubt of just the normal everyday things that people have been told a lot of doubt starting to creep in on the everyday citizen who normally wasn't considered conspiratorial. So with that being said, yes, there, there, there definitely is out there actually will be an awakening on college campuses. 
And a lot of the awakening will be behind the, not just the whole, I think the kind of aboriginal history thing is going to get kind of caught up in the critical race theory crowd and the, you know, the feminist pushback and the LGBT pushback. It's all going to be wrapped in, in that same movement, if that makes sense. So on the other end, will be the rising knowledge. This isn't going to be something that um, the schools are going to change their curriculum for. The, this this information will, you know, this is uh, this is apocalyptic information. You understand what I'm saying? And the mm-hmm. acknowledgement of this information is apocalyptic in terms of the day-to-day operations. Because just acknowledging who the indigenous people here are changing the conditions of everything because we'll we're not only here's the thing our, our people are you know people are ignorant about everything and especially about law but i promise you i promise you one thing right now as soon as the as a president or a major senator or somebody on a grand scale acknowledges that we are the indigenous people of the land there will be a million lawyers tomorrow you understand what I'm saying? There will be a million lawyers in the community tomorrow because they're going to be trying to figure out, hey, okay, we we know that there's some hidden in this law. That's you, you feel me? Yeah. Uh, once again, you've uh, effectively answered the next question. Well, that's, that's good because you're already you're already on the same page in the zone. So I'm gonna uh, rephrase the next question. Um, this latest label that they've coming up with, you know, they like to come up with labels for our people every couple of years. But this this latest one, which is the uh, BIPOC Black Indigenous People of Color, what's your uh, what's your thoughts on that? I'm not even I'm not super familiar. You know, they go through all these terms. Uh, so what uh, what do they stand for again? Say what is it again? It's called it's called BIPOC. I want to say it came out about a year or two ago. Um, I want to say I first heard about it during the midst of all of the Black Lives Matter protests and stuff, but they've coming up. They come up with a new uh, acronym to describe to kind of uh, bunch us all in together, and it's called uh, the acronym is BIPOC and it stands for Black Indigenous People of Color. But we'll, we'll move on to the next question. I kind of uh, went off script on that one, but uh, yeah, yeah I, that's I, um, like a, I was just, that's, that's damn near a redundant. That's like a redundant term almost. Black and color, exactly. Right. I just thought it was just curious to know uh, you were familiar with that. But moving on, um, yes. So early on in my indigenous journey, they came before Columbus was one of my favorite reads until I learned that Van Sertima was basically regurgitating the out of Africa theory. Uh, as my level of research evolved, I began exploring books such as America is the True Old World by Amuhotep. Chavez El Bay, uh, Return of the Ancient Ones by Empress Veridachi, I'm not pronouncing the name, but Africans and Native Americans by Jack D. Forbes, that's the real good one. And then you got The Ancient Giants Who Ruled America by Richard J. Dewhurst. And of course, you got my people here in the tribe here, and The Lost Aboriginal Heritage of the So-Called Negro African American by Chief Amaru Nagma. What are some of your favorite books or resources that you found um, on this topic that you use to uh, conduct your research? Um, 
That's an interesting question. Uh, I typically find, uh, you know, some of the racist authors, some of the most, uh, some of the ethnologists and the old school eugenicists, some of their work is the most compelling on this subject. Um, a lot of the names escape me, but like out of the schoolhouse of the, uh, out of Powell, what is it, William Powell? Um, out of the schoolhouse of Robert Knox. Um, and, and it's, and of course, you know, there's authors like James Adair, there's the history of the American Indians. Um, quite a few of these escape me, especially a lot of the writings coming out of Mexico uh, by Percival, like the vestiges of the Mayas and uh, so many, man. I, 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 I'm, I'm just saying so many. Most of the books that I read are, um, you know, I feel like I feel like a lot of gems are in the Freemasonic books and the philosophical history books. Um, not so much in the propagandized books, uh, similar to the, you know, the they became before us or they became before Columbus books. Uh, I like looking at stuff that was written in the mid 1800s. Um, I'm trying to think, man, uh, like, you know, there's some works by like Ethan Smith, um, W.A. Adams. I, like I said, man, a lot of a lot of these authors escape me. Um, but like I said, uh, August Le Plongeon, uh, so many books, but I would say that I, I like to read from the people who actually lived, who actually lived day to day with the tribes. Um, that's where I learned the absolute most. That's where I learned history. That's why, where I learned language, especially, which I think are some of the most, uh, important, uh, determining factors when you're trying to you know, trace genealogy and things of that nature. Um, so with that being said, uh, I, I do like Jack Forbes. I do like Jack Forbes. Um, I have read a lot of the, I have read a lot of the giant books. I've read about three or four of them. Um, you know, more so than, more so than anything. I just find those, uh, I just find the suppression of the information compelling because information is so deep as far as that goes. Um, You know, a lot of a lot of the analytical information of this era is some of the most uh, convincing in terms of being able to assess uh, the sovereignty of certain populations and the geographical movements of certain populations. So you can notice especially during you know the years 1790 to 1850 um the demographics of the south change between who was considered colored who was considered a slave who was considered a mulatto uh these things are like very clear in statistics other things that uh you'll find in from you know you'll find interesting is just looking at the system at the census um, for example, like right now, I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, but looking at, I, I believe it was an 1860 census, um, you know, the, the, like I come from North Carolina, which is a Confederate state. Um, but during 1860, during slavery, 
during the, the final years of slavery, there were more free blacks than there were enslaved blacks in most areas in North Carolina, with the exception of Charlotte. And many ways people think, hey, well, you know, you're in a country, you know, it's kind of tantamount to slavery. But what, if you actually look at the census and especially the county censuses, you can look at the county and they, they've got everybody mapped out. It's free information. And you'll see that there are uh, large percentages of free black people on the census. So a lot of these questions come from a simple standpoint of, well, if we're looking at the relationship between let's just just we're just going to use colors for now, black and white people in 1860, even the majority of black people in certain, quote unquote, slave states were free. And it actually turns out that most of the metropolitan areas where the the number of slaves outnumber the number of free blacks. Um, so that's a an analytical approach to the information, if that makes sense. Um, and especially once you understand, uh, once you go into the to the geographic best of the war theaters, especially in the South, where they were taking captives, you can see exactly where they're taking them from and where they're shipping them to. So these are these are very meat and potatoes resources to the history as opposed to you know when you get into literature i think people just kind of take their own you know they, they want to use their own literary glitter to try to sprinkle something on a story um so i really do prefer when we're talking about the history i do prefer the guys who were living with the indians and wrote about their day-to-day -day activities even if it is from a perspective of where they're calling them savages at least i can at least i feel like i can uh decipher what they're trying to say from the spirit in which they're trying to say it and where it's coming from wow that is um if you're just joining us we're on live with uh uriah brandon aka ub news uh amazing aboriginal historian and filmmaker uh that is that was a very interesting take. And you know, when we get off the air, I'm definitely going to be uh, reaching out to you to kind of uh, go back and get those names and some of those those authors and books because that's a perspective that I really didn't really think about. So I definitely want to uh, take that uh, that research uh, to the next level. And you're right, a lot of these people who are uh, documenting what was happening, uh, those are the people that are, you know, are because are, even Jack D. Ford's book, his, his uh uh, African, Africans and Native Americans, that book was, is basically a, a chronological history of the, uh, the reporting that a lot of these uh, Europeans were doing as they were uh, right. on uh, uh, India Day Terra, that they, what they call it, or, or things of that nature. So, yeah, that's a very interesting thing. Thank you for that. Your reenactment, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I cannot skip this one. Your documentary, Lost at Home. It's perhaps the most extensive documentary that I've seen on the history of Aboriginal Americans. What went into the production of that film and how long did it take you to gather the research? The film? Uh, I mean, you know, Lost at Home is like an evolving work. So, you know, at some point there'll be another Lost at Home. But it's, you know, it's a culmination of, you know, I would say a good, at this point, six or seven years of research 
but like a strong i would say a strong three years of three or four years of research like at the at the fledgling new pinnacle of my greater understanding because um unlike most people i don't know how most people came into this information but i was just generally i was i got led to this by generally searching history you know um i think one of one of the most credible things that you can do as a researcher or historian is not have confirmation bias going into something and i found this information not looking for it and that's usually how the best information comes that's very interesting um your reenactment of the conquest of fernando de soto is by far the most descriptive and the most informative that i've seen on film of why has he gone uh so far under the radar when it comes to the colonization of America, when I mean uh, under the radar, I mean from like a mass uh, scale, and you know we're constantly talked about uh, talking about Christopher Columbus giving so much credit when he never even made it to the mainland, never made it off Haiti. Why? why you know what it? I think it is, and you know, I, I don't want to cut you off, right? But I'm think I'm, I, I might lose the thought if I don't, if I don't spit it out now. No, so, no, you're good. I was done. Go ahead. So DeSoto didn't die. With notoriety, DeSoto was murdered. Um, so it's a little bit different. A lot of these guys, the reason they have notoriety because they get to go back and play the hero and tell their story. DeSoto, DeSoto didn't get to do that. Mm. Who was he murdered by? Uh, I, I, I believe I'm not. I'm pretty sure it was a rebel tribe. I think he got. He, they got him. And, it might, and, you know, I think there's a conspiracy that it might have been his own men. Yeah, but DeSoto didn't make it back. Interesting. Interesting. So, I mean, but getting in deeper, right? So, I think this is interesting. Uh, one of the first places that DeSoto visited on his, you know, murder spree and he went to a chiefdom, which is really not far from my hometown called Yowara or Jowara. So this is one of the first places that he met. And he didn't, there was no, if you go look at the DeSoto um, map or whatever, where, where he went, his journeys, this place was called Jowara. It was in North Carolina, not far from where I'm from. And he, he, he negotiated something there. Because when he first gets there, nothing happens. He doesn't really start killing people till he gets in line. He really doesn't start killing people until he gets down in Alabama, Mississippi area. So he came to North Carolina and he didn't kill nobody. And then he went down he went down south to toward west and started killing people. Southwest and started killing people. Not like south southwest, but southwest from where he was in North Carolina. Would that be because that's where maybe like a lot of the Gullah, the Geechee people were? You know, the truth about the wars and what auspices these people came over here um, is still somewhat of an overall mystery. Um, you know, like I said, uh, 
I don't know if, you know, he was just turned away or if he was scouting or what he was doing. But we all know that, you know, there were treaties made and treaties broken and warring amongst the nations even here. So the the role of the descender, you know, had been well underway at least by the time DeSoto shows up about 25 years. But at this point, now the Spanish are mostly, the Spanish and the Portuguese are mostly sending their fleets. This is, and, and you can tell that there's some sort of agreement going on, even at these times, because these royal houses, um, they're only really fighting over borderlands. It's like, hey, okay, the Spanish are going to take this. The Portuguese are going to take this, which they're cousins. Just like the British are going to take this and the French are going to take this. And so... Sounds like the priorities. I'm sorry. You know, many of these uh, war theaters that happened prior to the Revolutionary War were really just border skirmishes. Yeah, it sounds like perhaps, you know, with with so much emphasis placed on manifest destiny and uh, going westward, that's why a lot of people, we had the Lewis and Clarks, and we had, you know, we had the Louisiana Purchase, that the, uh, I guess they felt like they had the, the coastal areas under control, and now they really need to expand, and so now we want to go westward. But I don't want to, I want to move on to the next question. Uh, part of growing up in America is understanding that you've been lied to for the majority of your life. We hear things like we're African, vaccines work, trust the science, people in phone conversations with their significant others by saying that they love them while lying naked in bed next to their side piece. Yeah, I went there. Lies have become more popular than the truth. The media, in school, the teachers lie to us when they celebrate people like George Washington and Benjamin Franklin. And when we decipher how, how every single time we give a legal tender of $20 to a merchant, we have to constantly re- be reminded about Andrew Jackson. Can you describe to the audience some of the despicable acts that this devil committed on our aboriginal ancestors? Uh, uh, I mean, so many, bro. So many uh, that I don't even. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna answer that question like this. Yeah, they a devil. They did some evil, evil things. So many things I can't think about it, and it hurts me to think about, and angers me to think about. Um, but I ultimately believe that everything that was done to us was our fault. So. I know these I know I know that we're dealing with the devil. Uh the problem is we let a devil into our house. Mm. Um with that being said, you know, I don't you know, I don't really want to get into to specifics uh just because I don't want to I don't want to play up I I don't want to play up the victimhood. You understand what I'm saying? I know that we are a victim of our own decisions. You understand what I'm saying? Um, exactly. I know exactly what you mean. It, it, you know, I, we know I can't, I can't 
pretend to know everything that they've done, right? But what's the big, the biggest, to me, one of the more hidden things about our history and about our struggle here in this country is what did we do to land in this position? And we can blame everybody else on earth. We can blame the devil until you die. Everything that happens is your fault and our fault. That's all I'm going to say about that. Let's keep nah, going. I'm, I'm, I'm big on accountability. So I'm, I'm, I, I yes, sir. Yes, I mean, you get it. You get it, man. Like, yeah. you know, I and I, I, you know what I mean? Like, you know who these people are. We ain't got to talk about it. Sometimes you got to hold your cards. Also, you can't you can't let them know what's on your mind all the time. Because as long as you know what they're capable of doing, keep it moving. Just be ready. You can't listen. You can't act surprised when Re- when Regis Philbin stab you in the neck with a pencil, right? That's a Chris Rock joke. Right. If you're if you're, um, you you can have your best whoever friend you want to on earth, and you you guy he he's from the other side of the tracks. Well, if he do something to betray you one day, don't act surprised. You already know what it was. He caught you slipping. We got caught slipping. Right. And, you know, I know I, uh, <laughs> we give a lot of, uh, we like to tease the whole out of Africa theory a little bit. But, I mean, history does repeat itself. I mean, you look at what happened in Comet, you know, with them, uh, the Eurasians or being at the borders. You know, surrounding KMT. You know, they let them into. Uh, you know, they were teaching them <laughs> basically the Egyptian mysteries. And so we we bring these people in. We we show them our trade secrets. We teach them things, and we we have this naivete that they're gonna do right by us. So yeah, I, I can talk about that all 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 evening. Yeah, but I'm not everybody has the, the same nature that we got, bro. You know, right? Exactly. Um, last week I had the pleasure of interviewing Terry Backett, the mayor of the Greenwood Business District, a.k.a. Original Black Wall Street. He talked about how Greenwood was built using the land patents awarded to the tribal families who settled in Oklahoma after the Trail of Tears. He also said that was one of the reasons why it was destroyed, out of fear that Aboriginal Americans would build similar communities elsewhere. Can you share with the audience what other thriving Aboriginal American communities in the U.S. were destroyed that were destroyed following reconstruction. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you ever seen the movie Rosewood, but uh, we won't even talk about that. Um, yeah. Me being from North Carolina, there are two two places come to mind. Number one is Durham, North Carolina. So there was a there was once a Black Wall Street in Durham, North Carolina. Durham was a uh, was a very uh, prominent black city in the early 1900s. They had an affluent black community. At some point, I don't know exactly what happened. Um, Something happened. It wasn't quite as bad as... Something happened that broke that whole thing up. Similarly... I can't remember exactly what happened in Durham, but I also know that there was another, they didn't call it Black Wall Street, but another affluent black community in Wilmington, North Carolina. 
Um, and I do know that there was like a massacre and a lynch mob and a bunch of white men ran out the black people, um, ran out the black people with money that, you know, there's always a situation, probably some, you know, Peggy Sue screamed rape and they sent a lynch mob looking for the first kid they could find with, with a, with a blue shirt on. Um, I can't remember exactly what it, what happened in Durham, something like that happened in Wilmington. You'll just have to excuse me for not knowing the story. I heard it a while back. And when you hear, you know, when you when you read and write and go through all this, like you read stuff and you just forget it. So I would have to jog my memory, but you guys can look the story up. Uh, there, there was an affluent black community in Wilmington, North Carolina, um, that got ran out through some sort of racist act there. And similarly, there was an affluent black population in Durham and I'm like 90 some percent sure that there was some act of racism that broke that com community up as well so yeah Durham North Carolina and Wilmington North Carolina for sure yeah I did I did hear about those um, absolutely uh, let's see Stephen Coakley uh, was absolutely one of my most favorite. I believe he was one of the most important melanated scholars that we've ever had. Uh, his work on the Blue Lake uh, connects infinite dots as to why the brainwashing of the American Negro has been so successful. Uh, during your Blue Lake series, uh, you provide a detailed historical breakdown on the background of Marcus Garvey. For many Pan-Africans, it would be probably... <laughs> extremely horrifying to hear how one of their heroes is actually a double agent who is perpetuating white supremacy agendas. Can you provide context to that statement and what parts they love to leave out regarding Marcus Garvey during Black History Month? Uh, that, I mean, that's pretty good, man. I mean, you tight, hey, hey, that was a tight little opening. That was a tight, uh, you opened and closed that one. I would say, you know, to add context to it, um, just from, uh, a standpoint of realism the his whole idea to liberate africa was never a realistic idea from jump uh the main issue with that idea is that he didn't have any relationships in africa um so he was essentially proposing his agenda through british colonialism so at the end of the day he was really trying to he was really trying to be a backdoor imperialist um so even you know even his even his idea of liberating africa um was essentially something that he couldn't he couldn't pull off without imperial powers so he was soliciting those powers to for any sort of influence on the continent now we could go a little bit further with um, the creation of the UNIA and um, its relationships, not just not just with uh, Freemasons, but with people on both sides of the agenda. I think one of the more telling things is the, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, they always say the Hegelian dialectic is both sides. You know, they appear to be opposition, but they're really working together. And that's really what you can kind of see throughout the life of Garvey. Uh, as many of his closest friends 
uh, were on both sides of the agenda. And at many times, the UNIA was also run by people who were involved in the Afro-American League and the NAACP. So he had he had his share of agents throughout his organization that didn't have to be sent by the FBI. Mm. Um, and you know, in general, in general, he was, um, you know, I can't, you know, I can't, I never met the person, the man personally, but he just seems to be, um, you know, a person with a Napoleon complex. I think he was, uh, he had this enormous belief in his own self-importance he definitely had a messiah complex um and ultimately i think a lot of those things about his nature are what ended up making him a bad leader um he was good in terms of being able to be an orator you know he could speak in front of the crowds and it was great when you're speaking in front of a crowd um as someone who is educated, but really not so much educated as much as pretending to be educated. You know, much of much of Garvey and his whole um, aura was a charade, so to speak. He was he was very much he was very much trying to be bigger than he really was. I, I think had Garvey been a more humble man, he probably would have made bigger waves. But ultimately, his arrogance and pomposity turned away black supporters who saw it as his transparent attempt to be like a uh, second tier black royalty under imperial powers and they also they also looked at how he dressed and how he acted they really thought he was an elitist so these are these are things that you know most people unless you've really taken a look at garvey and his events and really not just the events of his life but the choices that he made you know, he went to jail simply because he believed that he was smarter than the district attorney. He had no, you know, he had no training in law. He decided to represent himself. Only because he believed against better advice. So much of his downfall was against better advice. Against better advice, he's got his—he's got the blood of two murders on his hands. So, one man who was supposed to testify against him in the mail fraud case—the reason that he was testifying was because he was a fundraiser for the UNIA's Black Line. He had raised over a million dollars. Then he had found out that Garvey had siphoned and pretty much taken the money—the majority of the money. And not only not only that, he found out that he was selling stock to a boat that they didn't have and or a boat that wasn't seaworthy. 
So he was going around telling black people and getting money from black people under the guise that they were going to have the black star line and be able to take people from America to Africa and also trade between the Americas and the Caribbean. This was never going to happen. His boat didn't float. So the Black Star Line was a tremendous failure. It was a huge, it was a huge money pit in where Garvey probably raised millions of dollars and spent probably a quarter million dollars on three ships that never really made it out to sea. And uh, it looks like they were they were also bad deals. So had any of the ships been successful, then they he could have easily made his money back. But he, he bought three ships that ultimately couldn't stay afloat. Nor could he afford to maintain them. So if you raise a million dollars and buy a ship for $100,000, you should be able to maintain it. Because you at least have a million dollars allocated for the ship. But what Richard Eason found out is that Garvey had siphoned the money and was using it either for his own thing or to try to pay off other debts within the UNIA, which is illegal, by the way. At some point, he gets involved with the FBI because people, his, the people who have invested in the Black Star Line are not seeing any return on their investment, nor does it look like they're going to get a ship anytime soon. So in addition to that, you know, you could call Garvey a notorious swindler. During the montage... I played snippets from one of your videos, having fun with these Pan-Africanists, so shout out to Neo Darwinists. What's your favorite talking point of theirs that you love to dispel? Oh, man, I, I don't really have a favorite anything, but I'll tell you a few things that I like. You know, um, <laughs> I don't know necessarily that it's a talking point, but it's kind of like the whole, you know, uh, evolutionary theory and where people just say, you know, Africa is the home of mankind. And so then I ask, well, are you man or are you mankind? Well, did you know mm. that the same at the same time there were people using tools and building civilization in the Americas at the exact same time there were half ape, half human monkey men running around at the same time so while there were people over here building pyramids over here building pyramids not in africa while we're over here using tools to make perfect circles and align the stars over here while at the exact same time in the archaeological record, which means when you dig up a certain part in the ground, say if you go 100 feet, and that's 3,000 years ago. This is also what they won't tell you about the theory of evolution, that up until on the archaeological record, Stone Age, okay? Stone Age is like 3,000 years ago, three to five, I believe, if you look at Thompson's, you know, generation. Well, what do we, I mean... At the exact same time that there are half men, half monkeys using rocks, not even really tools, there are humans building civilization across the water. There's no way to reconcile that. 
you can go dig up the oldest graves in Africa and they're that's where they get all of their theories from. And you can see the diverge you can see the divergence of of the species into Neanderthal and all that if you just go back and look at all of their so don't their quote unquote uh hominid their hominin findings, so to speak, the Australopithecine, the Homo heidelbergensis, the Homo heidelflorensis. These are all hybridized lineages. These have a real record and date. Guess what's not over here? None of them. There's no Homo heido nothing over here in the Americas. But what do we have? We have skeletons older and contemporary or contemporaneous with them. So think about that. Not only do we have bones that are older than the half monkeys that they claim that all humans come from, but we have humans and monkeys during the exact same time on the geological and evolutionary timetable. So they can try to make the species 4.5 trillion, 6.5 trillion years old. They can make it a quadrillion years old. Guess what? We've got a 3,000-year-old half-monkey, half-man in, in the dirt on Africa, on record. Bones intact. They're not 400 trillion years old. They're contemporaneous with the mounds. So while the mounds are being built, while people are living right here, while our ancestors are fishing in the rivers of the, of the Mississippi, there's half monkey men over there. I mean, think about it. It's really, it's really a less diverged lineage than we already see from the great apes today, like the bonobos and the chimpanzees and the gorillas. But their science is telling us that something actually used to look used to resemble more human. Well, actually, because it was it was a hybrid. So the out of Africa, the out of Africa theory is strictly for it's like the out of Africa theory and the theory of evolution aren't necessarily the same thing, but aren't necessarily untrue in their root forms. Some people came out of Africa. Some species of people came out of Africa. That's just truth. We can look at that. We can look at that gen genetically unto this day. That's a genetic truth. So anyone, and especially any person black who says they're out of Africa, you can just dig up a homo habilis and call, well, that, this must be your fucking cousin, bro. You must have came from him. Then they have to start backpedaling. The only reason that they believe that they're from Africa is because that's what all the scientists say. Oh yeah, that's right. You were the you were the first. Yeah, man, it was your it was your great great grandfather, the first monkey, right? And over time, he turned into a human. Nah, that's not how evolution works. It's called natural selection. These are. You know, they kind of kind of amalgamate the truth within the lie. Natural selection is true. Artificial selection is true. Hybridization is even more true. If 
two if two monkeys procreate forever with monkeys, guess what they're only going to have? Monkeys. Monkeys could try to procreate with monkeys for a trillion years. All they're going to make is monkeys. But you know, if a monkey tries to procreate with something else that's not a monkey, they might make something in between a monkey and something else. So the theory of evolution is a misnomer for the hybridization of certain species into the races of men today. And that's why geography plays such a big role in our ancestry and even the food that we eat and things of that nature. It all comes down to geography. And we've all been given, we've also been given the lie about this astronomical amount of Africa's abundance that doesn't compare to America at all. Most people forget half the continent is a desert. The tip of southern Illinois produces more corn than the entire country of Egypt. The southern half of Illinois produces more corn than the entire continent. But you know, Joseph had all that corn in scripture. It must have been, he must have been growing corn out there in the desert, right? Place that they didn't, they they ain't found one corn kernel from four thousand years ago, and you know you can't get rid of corn. You ever ate corn? It's coming right back out in the bathroom. You can't get rid of it. <laughs> they ain't found one corn kernel in a piece of dookie in over five thousand years. Somebody lying, cuz. What words would you use to describe the following people? Walter Flecker. What words? Albino muskrat. <laughs> Carter G. Woodson. Uh, Puddinghead house nigga. You got to put in here. Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King. Reluctant house nigga. Nice. Lyndon B. Johnson. The white man's white man. Jesse Jackson. Coon and an agent. He's a coongent. Coongent. <laughs> agent coon. Barack Obama. Oh, God. I want to be... I wish I had a better name. I, I'd be, gosh, man. I mean, I really don't like the guy. I just wish I had something cool to call him. He's, he's evil. <laughs> I just don't have... I wanted to have like a good name for him, but I have nothing. I was hoping to just hit you with me, but I ain't got nothing. He's, he's evil. No, that was, you did a great I, job, I man. I really... I definitely don't like that guy. He's like, you know, he's, he is uh, such a snake, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm, okay, Cindy, I see you. Manchurian candidate. Ooh. Right, right. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, Cindy. <laughs> okay. 
that was dope. That was actually pretty good. And she also had Messy Jesse. I, I did like that one as well. That's dope. No, no, you did an excellent job. That's my first time pulling out. I said I wanted to do something different for this show, and um, you nailed it. Uh, a house nigga, a reluctant house nigga. That was that was a white man. All right. Previously on our show, we discussed how the COVID agenda and the uh, racial identity politics has effectively divided us from our loved ones. How have the events of the past few years affected your family dynamic? Uh, I mean, we're pretty, we're pretty chill. I mean, my mom pissed me off when when, when she got vaccinated. That pissed me off. Um, and, but she didn't even tell me. My brother had to tell me. I ain't like that, but I mean, you know, I got over it. You know, she's 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 one of those people who is uh, very uh, CNN. You know, she voted for Joe Biden and Kamala. You know what I mean? So, oh, you sound, you sound, you sound like my mom. Sound like my mom. Yeah. So you know that's, that's what, what you what you expect? My mom voted for Joe Biden whoa, and Kamala. Whoa, 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 and she you, got vaccinated. You, you did the the. Uh, What's it called? The the idol, idolater. Yeah, but yeah, uh, that's, I mean, my, 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 my parents, both of them prayed to see him in Jesus. That was their deity. When we got, last time I traveled to Atlanta, I had my son at the Aloft Hotel. And I said, oh, son, look, CNN Jesus. We, we were downtown near the, the CNN uh, building. CNN, uh-huh. that's where your, your grandpa. <laughs> I see wow. grandparents pray to well, yeah, wow. that's another story for another day. Um, yeah, feeling prophetic today, man. <laughs> I don't know if that means anything, man. You know, I'm not a like most of my prognostication comes when I'm when I'm like in the, you know, when I'm in the mood, I can prognosticate some shit now. Like if I'm talking about yeah. something, I can tell you something that's gonna happen. Um, but you know, right now I can't. Only thing I can see is that you know they I I'm I'm waiting on the I'm waiting on the the sheep pushback because right now this mm. COVID this COVID has opened the eyes of a lot of sheep so there's a lot of vaccinated people who are not happy about this vaccination shit because they were forced to take it and now they're gonna have to get booster shots and shit these motherfuckers are mad these vaccinated mm. motherfuckers are mad because now. Now that they got the vaccine, they have to fucking go with a lot of shit they don't fucking agree with. And they and and they use the vaccine to get these niggas to comply. So what I do see happening, what I absolutely do see happening is there's gonna be a there's gonna be a new group of vaccinated people who are gonna be anti mandate. Isn't it too late though, you know, uh, I don't want to get into the details, but I've got some people in the audience that can give, give us some some uh, some medical information that will really blow your mind. And it's not conspiracy theory stuff to prove, but uh, I just uh, me me me. Uh, I, I have a no vaccination uh, policy. I don't allow anyone vaccinated somewhere. My wife is nursing my almost two month my almost two year old son, and uh, I've been told. By people whose opinions that I respect, that uh, there's a lot of uh, problems uh, coming out of that, particularly for women, with when it comes to their uh, reproductive organs, uh, whether it comes to uh, carrying a baby, whether it comes to nursing, 
It's a lot of a lot of issues there. Well, I don't want to get too deep into that, but that's a conversation you and I can have another day between the two of us. But right. it's, it's it's a huge it's, sterilization plan. I mean, oh yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. I mean, let's be honest. We're talking about. We already know that they're hiding the numbers of adverse reactions due to the due directly to the vaccine. There are there's a large percentage of the people. I bet you one in ten vaccines has an adverse reaction that they're not even uh they're not calculating. And I know this for a fact because I've talked to people who gotten the vaccine who had adverse reactions. I I heard people who got the vaccine that said yeah they didn't feel right for like a week. I'm like, you got the vaccine, not the COVID, right? I'm glad you said that because a lot of people don't understand that the vaccine and COVID there's nothing to do with one. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's crazy. You know? Yeah, you know they're uh, they're alternating your they're alternating your genetic code, um, and they're mm-hmm. you know really they're they're doing something that's quite dangerous. They're manipulating your immune system. Mm-hmm. Let's take it. And let's take it. The consequences are really unknown this. at this point, huh? I said we can even trace this stuff back to the uh, the ancestry dot com and, and all that. It had nothing to do with your genealogy or ancestry. Absolutely. Absolutely, that's the game. That's the hustle. For all these years, people decided, "Oh, I'm from Ghana, West Africa." No, you're not. No, you're not. They just took your DNA. Took your DNA. Now what they did is they're selling it to Monsanto because now they got a they got a cookie that that they have specially scientifically engineered that niggas love. The cookie tastes like Popeye's chicken, and it'll give you diabetes in three weeks. If you eat eleven cookies, you're gonna have diabetes in three weeks. That's what they're doing. They're genetically engineering these crap products that our people consume to kill us and give us these. Well, they've been doing that forever. I mean, that's. Carbon. Uh, I got the uh, engineer tribe. We talk about oh, carbon. Yeah, well, they're turning it up. That's what I'm saying. They're turning it up with that. Uh, with the whole uh, DNA thing. You know, they're genetically. Mm-hmm. They're using it to genetically manipulate the foods to make it mm-hmm. that much worse. Like seedless watermelon. <laughs> right. Well, you know, they got that. Well, the, the the thing about it is, they're not even worried about the the healthy stuff. They just they just gonna keep on. They gonna all the all it is is little chemicals and dyes, bro. A little a little smidgen of this, you won't even know. You can't even taste it, bro. Yeah. Red forty, yeah. Right. Research red forty and see what it does to you. But now you nailed it. So I got a question. What's up next for UB News? What can we look forward to watching? Man, I've been saying this for a while. I'm gonna uh. I'm just still trying to figure it out, but I'm going to do something like it won't. I don't think it's going to be a podcast. I think it's going to be more like a news show kind of thing where it's a little more informal. Mm. Um, it's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to make something like a little quick. I want to do something like a quick 30 minute thing that maybe I can do. And I don't even want to put it out there. I would like to do it one day a week, but at least once every two weeks where I put out something like, like an aboriginal like editorial. Yeah, well, you know, something like that. It's probably not going to be one. It's probably not going to be geared toward any one subject in general. It's going to be mm-hmm. basically it's just going to be my platform to talk a little bit of shit to kind of let loose, where I don't have to be so formal as I am when I'm making videos. Uh, I haven't really right. been able to um, 
you I, there's a lot of I feel like there's a lot of uh, pent up mojo in my personality that I don't get to display in the videos, you know. So, oh, I'm you got a little alter ego it. action going on. Okay, I see. Well, you know, I mean, I didn't start off making videos like this. I, I mean, I started right. off with raw truth. I didn't, right. you know, I wasn't, I wasn't as refined as I am now, brother. <laughs> I came out. I used to come out chicken people in the face. So, you know, um, I like kicking people in the face, but I know that's I, I, not... Some people Some people need to be kicked in the face. I, I love it. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, that's not... It's obviously... Um, that's not my priority, but at the same time, there is... there. There's a ton of... There are a ton of things intellectually and information-wise that I want to share that... If I that I need to be able to share it a feat in a in a freestyle form rather than trying to make a video for everything. So sometimes so sometimes it's good to be able to express something at its ground level very raw without having to go into an entire outline of the story. You know what I mean? And especially when we're talking about things that are happening currently, you're talking about things like the whole mandates. We're talking about things that are uh relevant to basically these are gonna these are gonna be things that are relevant to more uh current events so to speak mm-hmm. so yeah i'm a, no, I'm I'm a what you mean. Saying, saying in real time you don't have to be some of this stuff need to be talked about today so i got you. yeah absolutely so it's gonna be more geared toward current events i really want to give people a platform especially you know, under this, you know, under this new information and this truth, a lot of people feel alienated. A lot of people feel alone. Um, I really want to give people uh, an outlet to be able to laugh at all the people that are trying to make them feel guilty for being free thinkers. You know what I mean? I want to be, I want to be, you know, somebody's designated mouthpiece for when somebody tries to make them feeling bad for standing on their square. You know what I mean? Like you're not alone. Right. We get, we got we got a whole community of people who stand on their square. And not only that, we're gonna give you the ammunition to stand on your square confidently. Right. Because there's there's plenty okay. of people that that who are philosophically against taking the vaccine, even though they might not be able to articulate why the most effectively. Well, I want to give the platform for people to have a place to have the information to articulate something to somebody else. You see what I mean? Because a lot of times I, there's a lot of times where I don't want people sharing my information because they take it out of context, but sometimes you can provide information directly for context. So there's plenty of people right now who have their apprehensions and they just don't have a laundry list and bullet points of things that they can come right off the top of their head and be like, nah, because of this, 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 and this. Why? What do you mean? I can give you 11 more reasons why I don't want to take the vaccine. But most people aren't equipped with that information. So things like that, things, things like, you know, um, even from the standpoint of Aboriginal history, when you're talking to, when you're talking to a Pan-Africanist, I'll be able to give, you know, and one of my daily shit talking sessions, I'll be able to give you a, a 15 point bullet list to, to basically, what do you want to call it? To def- to deflate any sort of pan-African argument. 
So, you know, all of these things um, are things that I, I foresee myself doing, I, it, you know, it, it takes work, you know what I mean? So the majority of my time, I'm trying to make these videos. So I have to try to manage my time in order to fit this new project in. So that's something I'm looking forward to doing. You know, like I said, something quick, 30 minutes, a little more freestyle, unscripted, you know, maybe even something where I'm interacting with people. So, you know, right now I'm just kind of looking at the baseline idea, understanding that over time it will will evolve. So, yeah, that's what you can look wow. forward to. Me. Plus, you know, I got the boule coming. I got a new episode of the boule, a new episode of the smartest beast in the field. And hopefully by the end of the year, I'll be ready for uh, something like a sequel to the art of atheism. So, you know, there'll be a few things I'm working on. I have a question because I, um, obviously you have a large catalog. I haven't had an opportunity to delve into all of them. As I was uh, doing a research, getting ready for the show, I did come across the smartest speech in the field. I haven't had an opportunity to, to view those. Could you give the audience like who have had an opportunity to, to, to watch it yet? Yeah, like a quick spiel on, on what that represents is very interesting. Oh, man. the uh, You know, I feel like uh, the smartest beast in the field is probably – I think probably my best work. Um, so basically, you know, when I first started this series, I mean, it's really about challenging the theory of evolution. And then in essence, what, what did I started doing when I challenged the, the, the theory of evolution is I started looking at the history of people on this earth from the standpoint of how we, how we exchange information with each other from the standpoint of archaeology, from the standpoint of religion, from the standpoint of carbon dating, from the standpoint of the Old Testament, from the standpoint of world history, from the standpoint of Babylonian mythology and Greek mythology and Viking mythology and Norse mythology and uh, Hindu mythology. Um, so I look at all of these and basically I use... Um, you know, parallel sequences to match certain things up throughout history. Um, so basically, you know, right now, it's just hard to describe The Smartest Beast other than it is a series on the history of man. Um, but it's a lot deeper than that because then we get into the different genealogies of men, the different families, the places where the families inherited land, things of that nature. And this information all goes back to the Old Testament. Um, so it's very interesting to, it's not only interesting, but it's exciting to be able to piece certain things together, uh, because you can, you'll see it like the names of lands and the names of rivers and the names of places and the motivations of people and the, the people's operations and modes of business unto this day, many things haven't changed. Um, so yeah, you know. Honestly, it's like the history of the is like the history of man and the history of and the history of mythology and the history of the world. Um, it's kind of all together, but it's really about finding those connections. So it's about making religion connect with science and history and making mythology connect with religion. So it's really about attaching these sequences that match that match perfectly in many cases that match so you know we can you know we can kind of cross reference information from certain areas and it's really cool because you'll 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 start learning things 
and making associations that you had no idea about, you know? So, um, a lot of the history, like for me, when I'm reading the old Testament, it really makes sense to me now because I've, because I've done, I've done the research. So where when most people read the Old Testament, it's still is a very confusing book. Even for me, it's a confusing book. But I have far more insight into the book now because I've done the research on the history of man. I've traced the genealogies from, you know, from Noah to Abraham to present day. Um, I've traced the, the travels of certain families. I've traced the history of certain families. And it's very compelling stuff. Uh, very interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't really explain smartest beast in the field in uh in a one phrase you know haiku other than to say it's a you know it's a a short series not even call it short series at this point it's like a series on the history of man and mythology and world history and how they all connect with each other that's the best i can do as far as trying to describe that bro no, that's an excellent job. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to uh, check those out. Obviously, um, I, I love the, the topics in regards to the Boulé and uh, the Aboriginal stuff. Like, I want to definitely fully immerse myself into your, your entire catalog. How you feel, man? Man, I feel good, man. I'm feeling great. Awesome. awesome. You got time to answer a couple questions from the studio audience? Yeah, you know, yeah, go ahead. Awesome, awesome. Ari, how you doing? Peace, guys. What's your question? Hello, everyone. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, I wasn't quite sure. Is this UB News that's speaking in regards to um, the documentary? Yes. Okay. So, um, Brother UB, this is Ari, Sister Ari from Instagram. <laughs> I just wanted to say that your documentaries just sent me light years and leap years as far as information. Um scripturally, biblically, historically, and everything, it definitely connects all the pieces, all the information, all the questions that you had. These documentaries connect the dots. Like, I was searching for historical information as well as biblical information because everything seems fantastical or just, um, it seems like a fairy tale. Like, when you learn it even in, on the college level. And so... I feel like these documentaries should be like in universities. That's how well thought out and informative they are. So I really want to say thank you. Um, thank so you very much. Really I <laughs> You're welcome. So um, if anyone wants to see it, you can. I mean, just as far as indigenous people too, like everything is connected. You will find out who you are just from watching these documentaries. I've watched every one of them several times. So with my friends and family members. So thank you very much. And thank you for having me up. Thank you. Thanks for the support, man. Much love to you and your family. And uh, hey, look look forward to some new stuff. Uh, the, the next smartest beast in the field is going to really, it's going to have some new nuggets in it. Thank you, Ari. I really appreciate thank you. you. Do we have any more uh, questions before we take a, a, a brief break, intermission? Going on, going twice. All right. So uh, we're going to have a brief intermission. Uh, UB, you got time to do like a little powwow uh, before we close it out? Yeah, I can, got I can, yeah, I can hang around for a few. Okay, cool. All right. So we're going to pause for uh, a brief, a brief intermission. So uh, Cindy, 
go ahead and drop that joint. Colonists came here, they ain't never leave here. Indians ain't die off cause we here. You ain't got a lot, just say you won't be here. How you American but not indigenous? 400 years still ain't get rid of us. All Europeans and naturalized citizens made all the Indians niggas on the census. 1492, we was on the fences. Civil rights movement, we were so defensive. Black Wall Street, whites got so offended. Common law rights gave us amendments. Thank God don't speak truth, that's alright. First place, 1619 was all white. 1200 wasn't no continent, all white. Europe named after a black woman, alright. Grafted it come from us, do your research. Go within, quit listening to teachers. And a nuke got voice coming out the speaker. Cut off trees down and made us weaker. Really, they foreigner, the shit gets deeper. Whites don't know where whites come from either. I'm Aboriginal, we come from the ether. Ruling over us and our land, that's evil. Being colonized right now, black people. Prisoner of the war, that's why it ain't equal. Wake up, everybody, don't be no sheep. Freedom ain't free, really, freedom is illegal. And we can't get mad at this. Whites act like we can't see their advantages. Privileges real, they working in management. Low down dirt. That was his story by Threads. Very, very impressive, uh, brother, right there. Uh, so now is the time uh, for our open forum. Uh, this is the time where we you know, invite people up on the stage to, to build with our guests. And uh, if we have anyone that has anything they want to say with regards to the title of the show, Turtle Island, welcome to Turtle uh, straight out of Turtle Island. If you have something that you would like to say, uh, you know, this period, you know. You know, I definitely want to bring up this guy right here. This guy is is, is awesome. Uh, peace, God. Peace to the God. What's good? What's good? Oh, you know, you know I had to bring you up. I got UB News on the line, so I definitely got to have you build with him. So, uh, UB, this is my guy, uh, John Bricks. Uh, he's uh, the intro. Uh, you hear a lot of our, a lot of the, the videos that I post. I uh, have him, his, uh, Kind of like how you do with your brother. He, he's kind of like my my team. You know, I mean, I have other guys too, like Threads. But you know, me and John developed a relationship. This dude is very impressive. That's what's up. That's what's up. What, twenty. Oh yeah, you you what? Twenty nine, Johnny? Nah, twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah. Wise beyond his years. So what you what's, what's going on, John? I know you got something to deal with. First, they gave us religion before they took the land. First job at 16, you got to pay the man. Land grabbing Monopoly was a major scam with sharecroppers, but these foreigners had a greater plan. 1828, Noah Webster Dictionary. The definition of American is really scary. As you can see, the aboriginals was copper color, and this was our land first. It was not discovered. That's all. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That was a freestyle, by the way. Yes, sir. Yo. So, yeah, man. Uh, man, I want to you can send me some info about your brother, man. You got the dope beats, man. We got to get him. In. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, I definitely want to tap in. I just followed him, though. But I definitely want to tap in with the fans. Yeah, yeah, because John's in uh, A-Town. From, obviously, the, the moniker, he's from uh, Brick City, but he's currently in A-Town. Is your brother in Charlotte, too? He's, he's, no, he's in, he's, he's in Atlanta. Oh, he's in Atlanta? Oh, Woo, look at that. Look at that. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah we got to chop it. Okay, yeah, that's that's like a good 20 from me. I'm at uh, Cobb County. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, that's what's up. to make that connection. Absolutely. Jamal, what's going on, God? How you doing, man? Peace, God. Peace in the room. I'm doing well. How you doing? Oh, uh, man, doing outstanding, man. And just so everybody knows, we're going to have Jamal on on, I believe, December 1st, and we're going to be doing our... Aboriginal Warrior episode. We're gonna be talking about 
you know, optimum health and nutrition and, and uh, fitness for the Aboriginal Americans. So y'all uh, stay tuned for that. I'm going to be happy to have God on with that. How you doing today? What's on your mind? Well, great. You know, I did some studying today and uh, looking at these uh, birth charts and studying the nutrition. One piece of advice I'll just give before I get off here is try to stay away from those mushrooms. I was going to say, try to stay away from those mushrooms. We'll definitely talk about it more later on, but uh, try to stay away from the mushrooms and the nitrogen if you're looking to uh, keep your health, keep your youth, and keep strong and fit. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Yeah, stay away from the mushrooms completely. (laughs) Stay away. Like, (laughs) that nitrogen ain't good for us folks, man. You know how it goes. Absolutely. RCDP, how you doing, God? What's going on? Oh, man, peace, peace to the room. Shout out to you guys, to the UD News. Um, I'm truly excited to even uh, be, be able to listen to his thought process. Big fan of the platform. Uh, started on my own rabbit hole that, you know, I can honestly say led me into a mental institution, you know, for four days. Cause, you know, when you start uncovering the truth, it, it'll take you to a certain space. So I had to sit down for a little bit, realize that even those institutions aren't built and based on, you know, helping people when they are enraged when it comes to white supremacy and the deception, you know, about people when we start to awaken. So I'm just thankful, you know, to be able to take space and, and, and to be able to uh, support the platform because a lot of the research that I was doing on my own, you know, he was able to kind of put it all together to make it make sense in a way. That, that allowed me to kind of stand on what I need to stand on when it comes to going to our people and educating them on that history and that information, you know, and, and I think that we, we got some strong days ahead, but uh, I just want to say, you know, shout out to the news for, uh, you know, putting the time and the dedication into providing the information that's awakening a lot of our people. And I don't watch everything from uh, America is Egypt, smartest beast in the field, uh, Lost at home. I mean everything. Uh, so, so yeah, I'm gonna stick around for a little while. I've got a couple questions, but but I wait. Sure, much ahead. love, bro. Much much love, bro. I appreciate the support, man. RCDP, ask your questions now, guys. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so I guess the main question I had is, when it comes to the research and information that you galvanize, uh, do you have a collaborator connect with other uh, individuals? Because I know there's a couple people on. YouTube, you know, Dane Calloway, there's another guy named, uh, I think, Kamaru, uh, who's doing some work work on that. Have you guys ever, like, do you guys ever hit each other on the back channels? And the reason why I say that is because so much of what this stance is is being attacked, you know, and it's always like, you know, the Pan-Africans want to come on Clubhouse or, you know, posture themselves almost like they just got to sell this African accessory.com shit, you know. So, you know, I'm wondering if it's necessary for some of the thought leaders of, of spreading this truth have been talking behind scenes about how to come together or do you guys kind of just do your own thing? Um, well, um, I have never, um, I have never been in any conversations with Dane, but I've, 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 uh, I've, I've had a few conversations with Curie Mayo. Um, we, we, we've never really discussed coming together. I think, um, I think more so than anything, um, I, I think, Cats are just kind of in their own lane as far as that goes. I don't, you know, I haven't, I haven't been in any discussions with any, as far as collaborating with anybody, as far as doing anything. Um, and normally I just, I kind of work by myself. And the main reason I say that is because 
I don't like to count on other people to get work done for me. Um, and that, you know, that's, that, that's just across the board. Um, it don't, it don't really have anything to do with anything, you know, with anybody else, uh, as far as with Dame or Curie Mayo, like I said, you know, me and me and Curie Mayo, we've talked and shared plenty of information before. So, you know, we've been, uh, we've been following each other on Instagram probably for at least two or three years. Uh, you know, I, I'd probably following each other on YouTube for a few years. Uh, so, you know, he, in his videos, he has a lot of, you know, he's got a lot of significant information. Um, I don't have, I've never, like I said, I've never really talked to Dane or anything like that. Um, but as far as like any collaboration talks, there haven't really been anything with anybody. And for the most part, I just, I, you know, I just kind of work by myself um, based off just the type of videos that I make. I don't really do like this platform here in terms of like doing um, interviews and things like that. I normally don't do these. Um, I just, you know, you know, I'm real, I'm real cool with Sovereign. I'm real cool with uh, uh, Cindy. And, you know, these, like, you know, these, I, I, I can say this for sure. Um, like, you know, I, I really like to collaborate with people who I, you know, I, I kind of know on a personal level and I don't really, you know, I don't really know too many people like that on a personal level. So, you know, I've worked with Cindy, you know, I worked with Cindy years ago, back in New York even. So, you know, me and her have a good history and I kind of like to, for some reason, I just kind of like to, I kind of like to keep, I, it's not, it's not that I don't mess with people. It's just like, you know, I kind of like to make sure I know who I'm messing with. If that makes sense. No, it, it totally does. And, and not an impromptu in a way where it's like you guys have to, you know, being together in this, you know, commercial or, or in this format of, of uh, just like popularity, unity that, you know, oh, let's stand together because we are the hot guys in this topic. It was more so uh, being the fact that there's so much of this position and, and angle that's under attack. You know, I've been on this platform for about a year. And, and when you take information in some of these rooms to try to speak and educate and enlighten your own people, they damn near want to come in with a pitchfork with, Burning cross is like you better get that shit out of here, nigga. You know, and, and I guess you know my my thinking is at some point there's going to be a necessarily need for unification and some of our scholars that I consider you uh, historians to kind of play that 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 front position of you know validating the information that many of us are gravitating to sharing. Now I'm an educator, I'm an artist, so even thinking about curriculums and how can I you know begin to position uh, this information. You know, since, you know, we're about to be boxed out of society when it comes to these vaccine mandates. Well, it's like, cool with me. I ain't want to be a part of that shit anyway. So now let me get the necessary information and start building, you know, community with my people under the true form of history and not forcing to continue to keep us indoctrinated within these institutions that we know to be corrupt. So it's more so like, uh, like just more so in the unification against, you know, those that we may, that may try to come and attack you know, this, this dangerous truth, you know, that is finally coming. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely understand, uh, you know what I'm saying, the, uh, the need for that and, you know, just overall where you're coming from. You know, I think at some, I, I think at some point that will happen. I don't know how that'll all come together necessarily. You know what I mean? Um, I, I think, 
for a lot of us, especially if you're a content creator, and I know even for me, uh, a lot of the strength of my information comes from the fact that I don't have to get it from anywhere else. You know what I'm saying? So, and I, and trust me, in all due respect to your position, because I definitely understand it and agree with it as well in terms of, you know, building a community. With that being said, I know that there is a validation of us being able to have our own information separate from one each other, because then it makes the overall information in the community stronger. Um, and I, I say that to say, like, as a researcher, for me, there are certain books that I haven't read. And the reason that I don't read certain books is because I don't want to be, I don't want my influence, my information to be influenced without me giving it the proper, uh, I would call it independent thought. So in many ways, um, and I say, and I say this, I, I, I say this to, I have a few people who are content creators. It's like, sometimes I just don't watch other content creators because I don't want my work to be influenced because if it's somebody else's idea, then it's their idea. You feel me? I feel the same way about everything I got going on from podcasts to, to my t-shirts. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I try to make sure that I keep my stuff organic so no one can ever say that I plagiarized or bit them or, or yeah, you know, yeah, bit the info. Exactly. Like, I, yeah, you're not going to be, you're not going to accuse me of biting information. Not, you know, not that, that there's a thing about information that nobody really owns the truth. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes right. it's the presentation of the information or how it's relayed. But, you know, for the most part, I want, just like you said, I want my information to be organic, but I also don't want to be influenced in objectively. I kind of like to come across mm. something naturally as opposed to, I had talked about it earlier, the whole confirmation bias, kind of knowing what I'm looking for. Because, hell, I know what I'm looking for half the time anyway. But when I'm really researching, I know that my best information I come across accidentally. And what I do notice is that if I go to, and it's just something we all naturally do, you know what I'm saying? If I go, if I go watch somebody else's video, next thing you know, I'm going to start researching what I saw in their video. So it not that it doesn't become my information, but I've 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 been influenced by somebody else, which is fine for the average person. But being a content creator, I don't want to be influenced by anybody unless I'm trying to be influenced by that person. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like uh, the whole Steve Coakley thing. It's like obviously the boule was influenced by Steve Coakley. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Eliza, how you doing? Come on up, sis. Hey, hi everyone. Um, so my name's pronounced Elisa, just so you know. It's okay. Forgive me, Elisa. <laughs> yes. Um, so two things. The first is um, I have been following um, UB on Instagram, and I I hadn't seen anything for a long time coming up on my timeline, and I'm not sure why that is. So I just went over and went directly to the page and it's like tons of stuff. And so it's just weird to me that that stuff hasn't shown up on my timeline. Um, so that was just an observation, but yeah, I'm shadow banned. Uh, they, 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 yeah, yeah. I'm, uh -huh. I'm basically suppressed on 
Okay. I'm, I'm, I would say like 80% suppressed on Instagram. Not so bad on YouTube. Okay, yeah. So I I, um, I believe I subscribed to the YouTube, but I, I haven't seen anything pop up, like not in the stories or anything. So I'm going to, I'm going back now. I'm just going to click and comment to maybe see if that'll bring some of the stuff up so that I can see things that you put up there um, because that was interesting to me. And I've been unfollowing certain people and trying to follow people, but I've been following for a while. So that just like, that's, yeah, I, I guess you are. That was just shocking to me right now when I was looking. Um, but I do have a question and I've been, um, kind of looking for an answer for information for a while for my children. So I have a 12 year old son, um, and I have two daughters and, um, I'm homeschooling them. I actually, uh, started homeschooling them this year and I'm trying to find information that I can share with them in a way that they can, um, you know, take in. I've watched a lot. I've watched your whole series, The Smartest Piece. Like I've watched a lot of your stuff. Um, for them, I think it's a little bit, I don't say over their head, but it's just, it's a lot. So I'm trying to find ways to kind of give them information, um, you know, a little bit more on their level for right now where they're at. My son, my older son, he's a little bit better. We sat and watched a couple things, but, you know, he kind of fades in and out with his interest. So I've tried to shorten it up. But I, but I didn't know if you had any suggestions or if you had anything um, that would be geared more towards like a younger audience because I think that's super important to try to get them. Okay. Um, no, I wish I I wish I did have it had have a suggestion for you. You know, ultimately I do plan on making children's material. Um, I haven't done it yet, obviously. Um, I do have a friend who is making indigenous cartoons. Uh, he's on Instagram. Okay. And I know he started making like he's 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 actually I don't know if he's made a full cartoon yet, but at least two or three months ago he was in the process because he showed me the video on YouTube and the video was incomplete. Um, if you reach out to me, I can I can DM you his uh, page on YouTube. I'm not on YouTube on Instagram uh, because he has actually done some art for me as well. Uh, but right now I don't, I wish, I wish I could tell you I had something for kids or if I had, if I could tell you a place to go. Um, but I honestly, this information really does have to be made for kids. You know, they just have, you know, there's just a different way to present the information that kids are going to be able to retain. And, um, you know, that's obviously not the style of videos that I've made thus far, but that's something I definitely plan on making. Um, so, you know, all I can say is thanks for planting the seed. I apologize. I don't have any real suggestions for you right now. No, it's okay. I mean, this is something um, that's been going, you know, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people about it. I reached out to Jay as well. Um, and it's it's so funny because what I'm just doing basically is, you know, we don't, re we haven't really been studying history. We're doing like our family history, but I can't even like, I don't even know where to begin with them to undo the things that were taught in school that because my oldest has been in there since six, you know, up to sixth grade. So it's just so funny because I'm like, yeah, that was wrong. That was wrong. I'll break it down for you a little bit, but it's a lot. So I'm not going to get into it. So, you know, we'll just do other stuff. So it's almost like I'm tiptoeing around certain things. Like, I mean, I've explained things to them. I've showed them, you know, some of the things that have, I've, I've explained a lot to them, you know, we've undone a lot of things with Columbus and Jackson and, you know, Washington and things like that. But I just wish I had 
something to show them tangible, you know, that I can't necessarily create myself. And, and I'm not, you know, I appreciate you um, being honest and I look forward to something from someone soon because I would love to get my hands on some materials to share with them at their level. But I do appreciate um, appreciate you. So thank you. It's definitely just a matter of time. It's coming. Um, whether for me and I and I actually assume elsewhere as well, you know, it would be nice if I was the first one to get to it. Um, but yeah, it's it's coming for sure because you. This isn't the first re- request that I've heard for this material, and it only makes sense if we, you know, if we ultimately need our children to understand this moving forward. Then we have to, we have to like uh, the young brother said before you, we have to create a curriculum. So, and I've created curriculums before, but uh, you know, it's. <sighs> I wish I had, I wish, I wish the day I had more hours in it. That's all I can say about that. Yeah, no, it's a lot. I understand. I totally understand. Yeah, but definitely um, it's on, trust me, it's, it is, it is in the foreground of not just my thought, but I'm sure other uh, creators who are in this, you know, in this lane as well. I'm sure they're thinking of it and have already thought about it as well. Um, for me, you know, I've thought I've actually had several ideas. Um, one of them being a book, another being a video, another being like a series of trading cards, like trying to create like a trading card game. Um, so, you know, I'm just you, all of them right now are just ideas. But I can assure you that the at least mental groundwork is already starting to be laid on creating something tangible for children to get this information. You can count on that for sure. Thank you so much, uh, Uriah. Where, where, where do you go? I mean, up in the UB News, you go by Uriah? What, 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 what name you, uh, I go, so Uriah is my middle name. So I go by UB or Uriah. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, like my family, they call me B. They call me okay. B or Brandon. But, you know, for the okay. most part, you know, I go by UB on for the I'm really, really people call me Uriah when they're trying to be like super formal. You know, if it's a homie, you just call me UB. Copy that. Copy that. Well, I, I mean, I, I appreciate it. Uh, we are uh, running about to run out of time here at the top of the hour. I want to uh, say thank you for everyone for uh, joining us today on the Sovereign Creed show. If you enjoyed the show and would like to support us, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sovereign Creed and definitely check out our website www.sovereigncreed. Hey yo, shout out for the hoodie, man. I got a lot of compliments on the hoodie, by the way. Oh wow, man. That makes me feel awesome. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate you supporting us, man. You, you rocked it well. Um yeah, uh to purchase our line of provocative apparel. I want to give a special thanks to Mr. U B News. Um, hey. you were phenomenal. Absolutely. Um, shout out to our producer, Cindy Ashby, for making it possible. If you haven't done so already, make sure you go sign up excuse me, for www.otw2.com so you can join our community of melanated Aboriginal content creators where your voice can be heard and you never have to worry about censorship. We will be off next week, so uh, stay tuned for an announcement on our next show. We don't just discuss the problem. We offer the solutions. I'm your host, Jay Ali, Shia Marvel, and this is On The Wake Up Radio. Thank you, everybody. We at Sovereign Creed are dedicated to the nurturing, preserving, and protecting of the Aboriginal American family.
We are aligned with the customs and beliefs practiced by our indigenous American ancestors and will continue to ensure that their legacy lives on with everything that we do. We're out of here, everybody. Have a great evening. Peace. Thanks for keeping the lights on, Diang. Cindy Ashman. On the wake up. How to sign up for OTW2. Type in OTW2 in your browser. It will bring up the home page. Then you click the little man with the plus sign to open up an account. Use your best email. Select a username and then enter a good, secure password. Now you're at the home page. Click the key to log in to your account using your password with your username. Now search in the search bar for OTW2, which is the page we're going to subscribe to. Click subscribe. Click add as friend as well as click where the videos are. Click on a video to view, like that video, as well as comment. And your exercise is done. Thank you for your support.